This reading is from Matthew 27, verses 15 to 26. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead the uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. He then released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. Matthew 27, 32 to 50. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his left, right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him shaking their heads and saying, You, who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. I don't know if you remember, I guess you do, the expression, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Do you know that expression? It's kind of the thing I used to hear, you hear in the school playground, don't you? And I, was, I Googled it, actually, this morning, at some unearthly hour after my hour of prayer last night. And, and apparently it started in the United States um, by the slaves, um, because um, the slave owners used to beat brutishly their, their slaves, and um, they used to obviously hurl insults and curses at them. And um, this was the expression, well, at least the words aren't quite so bad as um, some of the punishments that they got given. So it's kind of, that was where it originated from. To a degree, it's true. But actually, to another degree, that statement's complete rubbish, isn't it? Because obviously, words can be really cutting. And Jesus suffered the pain, not only of the brutality of people, but also he suffered at... um, with the words, didn't he, that people said, the curses and the insults, and, and not only the words of the people of the, you know, crucify him, but also but the words, the silence, if you like, of his friends. The wordless silence that I've always also mentioned in Gethsemane. When he sweated blood, they seemed not to care. The bitter words of betrayal as Judas negotiated his worth which was apparently 30 pieces of silver, which was a slave price. It's interesting to know that uh, he went on then actually to receive what originally had been planned to be right in the beginning. I think it was pious some many, many years ago um, before had actually used this as a, um, a way of killing slaves, a punishment that was only meant to be fit for slaves. He also suffered the harsh words of accusation. There's so much of the story that we've missed out today, because we do need to get to the mouth sometime before noon. But there's so much of the story that we've missed out, and, and part of it was the accusation, you know, in front of the Sanhedrin and the, the words there. And then, just at the last, we heard, didn't we, the, the words of crucify him, crucify him. Can you imagine the, the kind of the effect of the escalation of the hatred and the violence that not only was shown through people's actions, but also through people's words. And finally, on the cross, they heaped insults on him, designed to cut Jesus to the heart. He saved others, but he can't save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. He said, I am the son of God. It wasn't a good Friday for Jesus. No wonder Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That kind of emotion, I don't know whether you have ever felt, obviously not perhaps to that degree, but have you ever felt abandoned by God? Maybe that's how you feel now. 
but right from the very beginning of the Bible, right from Deuteronomy, there's the assurance from God, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And as we know, somebody in the band this morning was saying, he's happy because he knows the end of the story, (laughs) that God actually didn't forsake Jesus. But there was resurrection and hope, even in what there seemed to be a dreadful and almost pointless event. Because what actually did happen on the cross? God had seen the sin and suffering of his people, and he knew the only way to release them from the slavery to sin was to stand in the gap with them. To stand between them and the devil, really. And in the video clip, it really clearly showed that, didn't it? It portrayed that. We can see the character who's meant to be like Jesus holding back the violence that separated the girl from the fulfillment of life, that kingdom life, that peace and that newness of life that God dearly wanted for her. Jesus, if you like, was a bit like a God shield. I don't know if if you've ever stood in the gap for anybody. Maybe you've prayed for somebody. And in a way, when you pray, you're, you're like standing in the gap between somebody's desperation and difficulties and God and saying and pleading for them. I don't know if you've ever stood in the gap and done a heroic thing, you know, pulled somebody away from a car or something like that. There is a family story, okay, for me, of how somebody didn't stand in the gap for me. And I won't say who it was, but it was somebody who should have looked after me. <laughs> and I'll just tell you this story as, a, as a, an opposite illustration. Okay? I was walking down the road, arm in arm with somebody, as you do. And um, we went around this corner, and this huge big dog jumped out. And the person who was holding my arm instinctively, because you do that kind of thing, put me in front of where the dog was. Okay? Now, that person has been mortified ever since and thought I'm meant to be and I shan't say who it was I'm meant to be in that protective role and what did I do but that's human instinct it wasn't him and it wasn't her and it was nobody who lives in Warrington okay just so I mentioned I was a child didn't know them then and they were just mortified by the instinct the human instinct to preserve themselves thankfully Jesus though he had human instincts didn't say, somebody else go up there on a cross. You did it. He stood in the gap. He provided the human shield against the dogs of this world. And that is really contrary, if you like, to human instinct. After the crucifixion, in the subsequent parts of the Bible... In Acts, we read about the response of the church to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But then as we continue in in Romans, in in the letters, there's there's people trying to interpret and to understand what exactly happened. Do you know? Last night, we had a a healing service. And people may have come away and thought, what actually happened there? Do you know what I mean? And it would be interesting to have feedback about what happened there. Also, people would have tried to assimilate and kind of debrief if you know what I mean by that, what actually happened at the cross. And and most of these subsequent scriptures are trying to figure it out. And one thing that seems incredible to me is something that is pointed out in Romans. 
that rather like the dog incident, the person who felt they should have been protective but human instinct came through. It is perhaps sometimes understandable that you would protect somebody you are meant to protect, but who would protect a sinner? It says in Romans 5, verses 6 to 8, about that. She says, trying to find the reading. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us pray. We praise you and bless you and thank you, our amazing, redeeming and loving God, who is prepared to stand in the gap for us, even when we do not deserve it, even when we feel unlovable, even when perhaps we're angry with him. And we come to you and lay more of our burdens at the foot of the cross and say, sorry, Lord, perhaps that we don't actually really acknowledge what you have done for us, that whilst we were still sinners, you died for us. We praise you and we thank you that you are our redeeming God. And we thank you for the victory that you won for us over death. We thank you for the new life that the cross symbolizes, the new life of forgiveness, the new life of redeemed, loving, worship-living life that we can live with the Father God and the promise of heaven. We thank you and bless you for your amazing love and grace. Amen.